0: Strange vice pushed this man to beautiful women and their throats. Slowly, silently, almost as if he were not there, and yet... No way of telling who's next.
1: This website they have like a checklist, and this has uh, five out of the possible fourteen or fifteen on on the checklist for for a giallo. It's got bad nineteen seventies art, boobs. What? I I think <laughs> they mean the wall art. I didn't. I, or those doesn't like that. Uh, well, I think I they. The art. Yeah, I I think it probably just means of the era. Um, I mean, let's face it, that apartment was, uh, you know, straight out of a clockwork orange. But uh, inept police, plot makes sense, woman slapped in the face. Some things that were not checked were all-girls school. I should probably read this later. Uh, Yeah, let's save it. Anyway, hi Will.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: Good. Jolie, are you still with us? Yep. All right, cool. Shall we intro and get it started? Sure. Awesome. Hey, listeners, you are listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast that talks about a horror movie, which we will spoil, and recently watched, which we will try not to spoil. We thank the Moon Rays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Find the music on Apple Music or Amazon, where you can buy it digitally, and say hello to them on Facebook, where they are, The Moon Dash Rays. And um, we are not, believe it or not, professional critics. We're also not masked rioters setting dumpsters (laughs) on fire. Uh, We're not helicopter pilots keeping Jolien awake at the edge of the flight path.
2: They're searching right
1: now. Um, I was messaging with my friend Kevin who lives in Seattle where this sort of thing always happens whenever there's a demonstration. There's always, and, and I assume it's insurgent um, anarchists who just kind of say, hey, let's set this thing off. Um, I told Kevin told me that, hey, they've got cop cars overturned and on fire, what's going on by you? And I said, well, so far dumpsters seem to be the theme. And he said... 2020 encapsulated in a single image, (laughs) (laughs) a dumpster fire. So
2: I I was, uh, I was was watching the coverage last night and I was irritated by several things, Uh, especially the, most of the commentary people were just making up uh, assumptions about the protesters based on nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like saying, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I reckon 30% of them are uh, here to cause trouble. This guy has no idea. There's no way of knowing because he's not talking to them. Right. Across the park from them. Yeah. And then like a group of people in black t-shirts go by. and Oh, they must be the uh, troublemakers because they're dressed in black. Yeah. Yeah. Which is ironic given the police uniforms.
1: Uh, Yeah. They're all dressed like Darth Vader driving around in the Darth Vader mobile. So what the hell?
2: The other thing was uh, uh, some of the uh, people there uh, vandalized the library.
1: Which, for real? Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean,
2: the library is, you know, home of knowledge, expanding your mind, uh, diverse sources. You know, it's as far away from what you're supposed to be against that you can get in a building. Right. So, but, you know, they had to break something.
1: Yeah, I guess so. So, recently watched. Um, Who wants to start? I'll go. Okay.
0: Um, Let's see. Recently watched. I watched uh, mostly TV this week, TV shows. Excuse me. I watched uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Still good. I think the second season's better than the first. Um I think they've gotten kind of away from the movie far enough that it that it uh it doesn't constantly remind me of the movie. The first season, at least in my opinion, was uh marred by the fact that you could I had just watched the movie. I could remember jokes and they they played a lot of the same sort of jokes. Um I think it's kind of amazing. We have a weekly comedy about vampires <laughs> i never thought that would be a thing a sitcom with vampires um <laughs> then i tried to watch oh i watched Pen 15 or penis i don't know which is, <laughs> which it is uh which is also uh, it's a hulu show um i was gonna say uh what we do in the shadows but no that's a FX show. Uh, but. Uh, uh, just lost my train of thought. You're in. Oh, Yeah, penis. Uh, Pen15 is about two uh, girls in seventh grade. Uh, played by actresses who must be in their late 20s or 30s. Uh, <laughs> they're like reimagining their their school days um they're just starting seventh grade they are in their late 20s early 30s but the kids they act with are all actual seventh graders oh my god which is uh, pretty funny uh they're terrible people i mean you sympathize with them because they're they're the main characters but they're kind of terrible in a way and most of the kids not all the kids but a lot of the kids are actually uh very Sort of sympathetic to the girls and, and uh, give out little bits of wisdom here and there. They're a lot smarter than an actual seventh grader, so it's a nice uh, it's a nice balance. Uh, I watched a couple episodes of that; pretty good. Uh, probably not laugh out loud funny, but uh, entertaining. I watched another series, uh, an FX series called. You're the worst, which build itself as like a um, anti rom com, and uh, two terrible people meet, and they, uh, I suppose, over the course of the series, fall in love. They're terrible people, and 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 this doesn't make any sense. That I found them sort of obnoxious because imagine you're supposed to, but I don't know if I could if they were charming enough to really continue with the series. I may go back. I may not. Um, Then I watched another one, a Hulu original called Rami, which is about a young uh, Muslim guy who's uh, living somewhere in New Jersey. And uh, it's basically his daily life. He's uh, trying to figure out who he is and what he's doing. He's probably late 20s, mid to late 20s. Um, there's an episode that is set back in, uh, on 9-11 in 2001. Um, he's Egyptian. His family is Egyptian. Although he's, he's American. He grew up here. He's born here. Um.
1: Wait, wait. Are you sure he's Egyptian? Are you sure he's not a Spanish peacock?
0: Tommy? Yeah. I don't get it.
1: Uh, well, I'm making a, <laughs> okay. Never mind. I'm making a reference to Highlander. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. Oh.
2: <laughs> okay. He's, he's not. He's not played by Sean Connery, he's, he's trying to say.
0: He is. <clears throat> played by Sean Connery and they've aged him with CGI. Sure.
1: <laughs> that seems like a good idea. I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: So uh, anyway, he has a flashback episode, episode four, about 9-11 and him trying to masturbate for the first time. And he, he has this magazine he took from his parents' mail that's like some sort of shitty little homeowner freebie magazine. And it has a woman on the cover, and she has the slightest amount of cleavage showing. And being a 12-year-old boy, he steals the magazine and takes it to school. And he, he's bored in class, so he asks the teacher if he can go to, go to the restroom. And he goes in there, and he's trying to jerk off doesn't really know what to do. Um, and then someone comes in crying. He's like, what's going on? And he leaves the bathroom. He goes back to work or back to class. And uh, and it's 9-11. The, uh, the attack has just happened. Um, earlier, his mom gave him a walkie-talkie to carry to school. He wanted a cell phone. His mom's like, it's the same thing. You walk and talk um. with it. And so this, the walkie-talkie goes off his mom's speaking Arabic, trying to get him to, uh, to, uh, respond to her. Cause the, the whole thing, she's shocked too, as everybody was. And of course, you know, it leads to the school kind of thinking he, he's, uh, he might be a terrorist. His friends ask him, um, are you a terrorist? And, uh, he's like, no, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not a terrorist. That's crazy. And they're like, but you're Middle Eastern. And he's like, no, I'm from Egypt. Uh, it's in Africa. I'm, if anything, I'm black. <laughs> His friends are like, I think you're lying. You told us you jerked off six times in a row. I asked my brother and he said, if you did that, you'd die. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we don't think you're black. <laughs> oh my God. And so, it goes on. It's it's a really good episode. Uh, probably the best of the series I've seen so far. But overall, pretty enjoyable series. Uh, again, not probably laugh out loud funny, but uh, but good enough. Cool. And that's it. Other than uh, the uh, strange vices,
1: Mrs. Ward. <laughs>
0: yeah. Cool.
1: Jolien, you want to go?
0: Um, okay. Well,
2: speaking of uh, people who are too old to play school students, uh, I watched a uh, movie called Lone Wolf from 1988, uh, directed by John Callas. This is a uh, werewolf movie uh, filmed in Colorado. Wow. Um, (laughs) Filmed around Denver. Uh, so it's uh starts off with uh, julie and skipper in her car and uh skip is getting a bit too fresh and she uh he gets out of the car and gets uh, smacked down by a werewolf and then julie goes to meet her friends at a bar where this uh heavy metal band is playing and this is 1988 heavy metal mm. there's lots of hair on everybody um all, all the uh, uh the students go to like Fairview High School where they all look about 30 years old at least Um, there's I I was hoping to see some uh, locations and uh, you know establishing shots so I could see Old Denver but uh, most of it's done in two shots you know you you see very little past you know a section of wall I think they're kind of opting for a small town anywhere sort of Idea, cool. rather than setting in a specific location. Um, I, I don't usually go for that though. I, I prefer things that are actually set in a particular place. You know, I don't care if I don't live there. Yeah. <laughs> I identify the location. Um, I mean, but some people prefer like a non-identifiable place. Anyway, um, so you've got um, uh, you've got actual wolf transformations uh kind of uh they try a rip baker style uh it's mostly close-ups of uh teeth and snout um but it's not bad for a low you know very low budget film um there's a bit of slashing uh the wolf hits the uh the uh the school has this winter costume party every year and uh the wolf attacks there and like uh someone gets their head ripped off and the head gets thrown into a punch bowl. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's, uh, there's an Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden poster in it. Uh, the Trooper. Nice. And, uh, and an Ozzy Osbourne poster, the, uh, ultimate sin poster. Yeah, You know, the Boris Vallejo one.
1: Yeah, that's the right uh, era. Hey, that's, that's, yeah, that's the show where, uh, I accidentally got dosed with acid. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, you know, it, it's got it's got bits here and there I like, but mostly I found it really dull. <laughs> uh, uh, and then apart from that, I've watched uh, all the Sergio Martino films I have.
1: Oh, is that a lot? Uh,
2: let see, I've got one, two, three, four. I've got five of his films. So I, I've got most of his giallo.
1: Most of, the, of his giallo, okay.
2: Yeah, and I, I've seen them on that uh, I don't have recently. um, uh, Suspicious Death of a Minor. And I saw his... uh, He did a giant alligator movie. Uh, Yeah, I've seen a few of his others, like uh, Western. But, uh, yeah. So I watched all his
0: yellow. What's your favorite of his yellow? Strange Advice of Mrs. Ward. Okay. You mean the kink-shaming of Mrs. Ward?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think the first one I watched uh, this weekend was uh, The Scorpion with Two Tails from 1982. Uh, this has got John Saxon in it briefly. Um, early 80s Italian horror. Uh, starts off in New York City of course like all the do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, music by Fabio Fritzi. Uh, Van Johnson's in it. He's more of a major character than uh, uh, John Saxon is. Anyway, uh, John Saxon plays uh, Professor Arthur and he finds a an Etruscan tomb in Italy, and, uh, and shortly thereafter gets killed off. Uh, all the killings in this movie are people getting their heads twisted around suddenly. So you've got lots of uh, actors lying there with their clothes on backwards, pretending to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so his uh, his widow Joan, uh, she's had some uh, visions of the uh, of the tomb, and she flies to Italy to investigate, and uh, she gets visions of maggots coming out of various things. Um, and uh, Arthur has, has left her a piece of uh, a scorpion jewelry. So it's just a scorpion with two tails. And uh, it kind of shuffles along, it's pretty mild, it feels like a TV movie. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm not keen on that one. Uh, so then I went back to his, his actual giallo, so I watched uh, Torso, uh, which is a favorite of Eli Roth. Um, I don't find that one as gory as its reputation suggests, Tr- you say it's like really extreme, but it's not. I
1: don't, I the think. trailer huh. is ridiculous. The trailer is completely bananas.
2: Yeah. yeah. It, go-
1: it goes on forever and it's like, torso. <laughs> and, then it torso. Has, and then it's got this, this like orchestral, like crazy strike of music. Every time the narrator says, torso. <laughs> so, But it's, you know,
2: it's, it's uh, fun to watch. It's got, you know, Beautiful women, beautiful location. Uh, I like the second half better. It, uh, like in um, Martino movies, you often get quite extended passages where there's hardly any dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's just pure cinema. Uh, it, there's quite a bit of that in the second half, when the, the women are gathered at this uh, villa on this cliffside above this uh, rural village, and uh, and the killer turns up. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's probably his most straightforward one there's not much uh, there's not a complicated uh, plot to it um, it's more of a proto slasher uh, I, think, I think most of his jellos seem to have you have like a, uh, there's killings going on and then there's a bunch of horrible people that take advantage of the crimes they're going on to kill off of people they want to kill <laughs> um, probably, uh, there's at least two or three factions going on uh, but this one's really straightforward, um, uh, yeah, so that one and uh, what else? Uh, your Vices is a locked room, and only I have the key, which is one of the great titles. Yeah, that is a good title, um, which actually gets its title from uh, in uh, "Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward." day. She gets a bunch of flowers, and the second lo- bunch of flowers she gets has this note on it, which which says something like. <coughs> You're Your
0: locked in a
2: room locked. that's locked in a yeah. room and only I have to yeah. see uh, something like that. Um, and he also did one called uh, All the Colors of the Dark which also has Edwidge Finick. Oh, we, um,
0: wanted, we were
2: going to watch that one tonight. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, uh, so she's in London and she gets involved with this Black Magic cult. Um, so yeah, that's a good one as well. And Suspicious Death of a Minor" is more of a Giallo meets, you know, the uh, very cynical police dramas they had in Italy in the 70s. Um, That's got a bit more, uh, you know, action to car chases and so on. Oh,
0: okay.
2: uh, That's that's another good one. So anyway, that's what I watched. Sounds good.
1: Cool. Yeah. I'll tell you, you, first of all, um, I'm not sure if I talked about this last time or if this was I feel like this was on the cusp between last episode and this episode, but I did watch a documentary called Natalie Wood, what remains behind. And, um, I was really hoping for some sort of a smoking gun where Christopher Walken says something like, who knows what happened on that boat, you know, but nothing, (laughs) (laughs) you know, nothing like that happens. Um, the survivors, of course, um, You know, talk about her legacy, her career, her young life. Natalie Wood was a very talented actor who, um, her life was cut short in a boating accident uh, off of Catalina Island. And um, Robert Wagner and Christopher Walken were the only other two people on the boat. And uh, who knows? Was there
0: a boat captain, too? (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, wasn't there a whole bunch of people in
1: there? Maybe there were. I I feel like they were the only ones who might have. I don't know. Uh, but
0: they were the only ones awake or something.
1: Yeah, something like that. And they heard a thump. Uh,
0: it's like, They're the only ones who uh, held her underwater.
1: <laughs> right. He's like, uh, I tried to help her up. <laughs> but she... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't want to cast any aspersions. I actually do think it was an accident. Um, based on what zero knowledge I have. Um, so that one was interesting. That just came out this year. Uh I was recommended a... Here's a shark movie that is not like an open water Jaws kind of shark movie, but a trapped underwater cage shark movie 47 meters down. Um, I really wasn't going to watch it, and uh, Ziggy recommended it. So I said, you know what? She's pretty sharp. Let's watch this thing. And yeah, the suspense was really good on this. It's a 2017 movie. Um, It's about two sisters who are on vacation in Mexico, and they're offered a rare opportunity to go cage diving to look at sharks. And Never
0: take up rare opportunities while you're on vacation. (laughs) Never. Never leads to anything good. Let's go check out these ancient ruins. Yep. (laughs) It's a rare opportunity, once in a lifetime. Hey, let's go meet this tribe. Yeah,
1: that's a good yeah, one too. It's
0: going to go
1: well. You know, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's take these drugs, go meet a tribe, and go shark diving. Yeah, it, it's right off the coast it's of where these ancient
0: ruins. Yeah,
1: right off the coast of these ancient ruins that are halfway in the water. So yeah. there's your checklist of to don't while you're uh, in Mexico. Or so so, have
2: you, or Ziggy, seen the sequel?
1: Uh she did. She mentioned that she did see it, and I have not. Have you seen it?
2: Okay. No, I was just wondering what
1: she thought. Um, I think she said that she was surprised that it was as good as it was, but I'll have to ask her again. Okay. We were mostly caught up in a discussion of, yeah, go ahead and get Shudder because uh, there's a bunch of stuff you're going to want to see. Cause she's of course dealing with, you know, being shut in and sort of the soft ending to her junior year. And, yeah. and man, that's rough. Uh, you kind of want, yeah. you want that punctuation. And, uh, it's just not there for these poor kids. Uh, so she, um, is like, I'm running out of stuff to watch and books to read. And, and I'm like, all right, well, shutter, <laughs> you've got, you've got, uh, Stuart Gordon and, uh, Frank Henenlotter right there. There's a, there's a mini, uh, education of, of, uh, essential viewing. Uh, we finished up watching uh, Reckoning, which was a Netflix miniseries or limited series. Or maybe it's going to be a first in a bunch of seasons. I'm not sure wh- which. Um, it's got Sam Trammell, who people will know from um, uh, True Blood. He, played, he blood. Yeah, he played Sam on True Blood. Um, and it's like two or three. Does
0: he play a character named Sam in this one?
1: I was hoping he did because I was I was thinking it was going to be one of those situations with uh, uh, Char- Charlie Sheen. It's like he's too dumb to learn a different
0: name. <laughs> Tony Danza.
1: Tony, yeah. Like this is this is one of Will's theories for the listeners who don't know. Is that there are some actors who are too dumb to pretend to have a different name, so their characters are always just named the same name as them.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: so anyway
0: because uh, i saw tony dance in a movie with a dog and the dog had a different name but he was tony yeah it's like the dog could learn to respond to a different name but tony can't <laughs> right
1: yeah bruce can be spot but tony has to be yeah, tony. exactly <laughs> um okay so reckoning um that's that's a good one it's a uh It's a murder mystery. I would say it's a pardon my murder, but it goes a little it goes a little more um silence of the lambs, if you will, in 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 some ways. Um
2: Pardon my cannibalism.
1: Yeah. There is no cannibalism, but well I don't don't want to spoil too much, but there's some some uh um tattoo removal that uh without consent of the tattoo haver. Uh, Yeah, this one's dark, but it's not so much that people can't handle it who aren't used to some, you know, gore on the lighter end of gore. Uh, I decided that, you know, I needed to find out a little more about what a horrible human being Jeffrey Epstein was. So I watched this um, limited series called Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. And I'm thinking, there's so many holes in this thing that we don't know about if we don't do like a little more you know, reading or viewing. So I said, you know what, I'm going to watch this thing. It makes me think a lot less of certain celebrities or public figures who were most certainly tied to what became known as pedophile Island. Uh, for listeners who are um, uninitiated, Jeffrey Epstein was a billionaire who um, made his money kind of quickly and, and, uh, In clever ways, and ended up doing what I guess was wealth management, for lack of a better term, for a lot of people who had a lot of money, and they kind of, some of them fell into uh, his his, uh, disgusting world of uh, human trafficking and um, pedophilia, so here's this guy who's got a private jet going to an island uh, in the Virgin Islands where...
0: Um, name pedophile island why yeah. would you even go there
1: yeah it's like why would you also, go,
0: why would you go to it's n- a peninsula yeah not even an island
1: right pedophile peninsula just doesn't sound as good <laughs> you know nobody was going to go to fantasy peninsula so they you yeah know, fantasy island um so, so uh, yeah, that there's there's a lot of uh, stuff to be mined there as far as who's who's maybe in bad company with him, or maybe some of them didn't know. Hard to tell. Some of them certainly did know, but I think it was probably hard to miss that there's a bunch of underage girls uh, who are the only women. Probably when the
0: pilot came on the PA and said, "We're landing at Pedophile Island now." <laughs>
1: <laughs> like shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all your all your laws are out the window. Um, but it, it is interesting to get sort of the timeline and the story of what happened and who was involved. So that one is I think five maybe episodes. Um, I let it run through the first few and then the rest of them on another evening. Um, I also watched Have a Good Trip. Adventures in Psychedelics. This is from this year. It's a Netflix original. Um, this is a basically a bunch of celebrities talking about the time they did Acid or Mushrooms or Peyote. And there are sometimes uh, animated shorts that go with it. Um, sort of as a, you know, they're... they're, they're visual
0: aid. Too...
1: Yeah, visual aid. Basically, their uh, telling of the story is used as a voiceover uh sting taking peyote i think it was peyote was super interesting because he had to go help birth a cow <laughs> very wow. very unscheduled and the way they tell it it sounded like he was pretty young like 14 or 15 i don't know maybe he was older but uh he was certainly not ready for that uh so that was super cool um paul sheer and rob cordry uh they were two of the celebrities and when paul Shear is telling his story Rob Corddry is reenacting it. And for, for listeners who don't know, Paul Shear has a big gap between his front teeth. So Rob Corddry had some strip of something stuck between his front teeth to, uh, look more like him. Cause they, they both have shaved heads. And, uh, and I thought that was pretty funny. And then when it came time for Rob Corddry to tell his story, Paul Shear played him in the reenactment. But you had great stories from in a lot of really funny, like fake archival footage, as well as some archival footage. But you got stories from like Ben Stiller, Carrie Fisher, Anthony Bourdain, uh, the previously mentioned Sting, uh, Adam Devine. Um, there, there were just some really crazy stories <laughs> Uh so it really wasn't an educational tool for like here's what to expect from psychedelics. It's basically like here's some hilarity from when your favorite celebrities did psychedelics.
2: You should read uh, Carrie Fisher's novels. Really good.
1: <laughs> I bet they yeah. are.
2: Yeah, they're really good.
1: She she never did hold back on uh on telling her stories, did she?
0: No. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um so we yeah. don't think i mean maybe she could yeah maybe it's worse she yeah. kept the real crazy shit out yeah <laughs> like when she flew to pedophile island <laughs> uh
1: so um psychedelics and pedophiles aside uh the strange vice of mrs ward <laughs> now is this true or is this just folklore that the H was added at the end of ward because an Italian woman named ward was going to sue the filmmakers.
2: Uh, she, she didn't threaten suing, but she, she was like this woman in Rome who said, uh, I don't mind you calling it Mrs. Ward, but if you say the strange vice of Mrs. Ward, then I won't be able to go out and publish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So it, it sounds like it was fairly amicable, but uh, you know, that's why they put the H on.
1: Yeah. It, it seemed like a weird spelling, and and uh, it, it only took a couple of mouse clicks of research to go, oh, look, hey, there's an explanation for the weird spelling. Um, for listeners who don't know, and I doubt most of our listeners wouldn't know, but um, the reason that these Italian movies, which are mostly a sort of slasher, murder mystery slasher kind of movie, the reason they're called Giallo is because the uh, the pulp novels of Italy were always printed with a yellow cover right
2: do you, do you want me to go through it yeah,
1: yeah yeah that would be great if you you'll give a better so, uh, explanation
2: in italy in italy giallo is just crime story what we think of as giallo are actually the specifically the, the italian as you say with like more of a concentration on the murder mm-hmm. and the proto slasher movies etc um they're I think in Italy they're known as uh, giallo all'italiana. But originally, uh, mystery crime stories uh, published by Mondadori, they'd have a they'd have an illustration in a circle in the middle, and the rest of the cover was yellow. And uh, they started in 1929, and it was uh, stories by Agatha Christie, Edgar Wallace, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, Raymond Chandler, um, and then the that's the first. Uh, Italian gangster movie ever was called Giallo. Oh, oh,
1: wow. Um,
2: that came out in 1933, uh, directed by Mario Camarini, and that was based on an Edgar Wallace story uh, called The Man Who Changed His Name. Um, but uh, what happened uh, was uh, Mussolini came in and said that uh, gangster movies are, are an American corruption of Italian culture. So they were all banned. So... Uh, that sort of nascent jello ended. So that's why there's this huge gap until the you know, 60s. Um, in the 50s, you had uh, uh, the Germans, uh, especially a studio called Rialto Film um, started making uh, movies based on Edgar Wallace stories because he was, he was very popular there. And uh, they made 32 films uh, from uh, 59 to 72. And uh, they were known as criminal film, which got shortened to Crimmy. And in those, you'd often have a masked criminal. Uh, it was more focused on the detectives. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it was, they are often quite bizarre. Um, they got more strange as they went on. And, and eventually, in their last years, they were crossing over with uh, Giallo. Like, uh, there were a lot of uh, Italian-German co-productions going on. Um, you know lot, lot of the mutual influence of Edgar Wallace, and uh, and uh, one of the rival producers to Rialto Films was a fellow named Brauner, uh, Brana, uh, who he co-produced *The Bird with the Crystal Plumage*. Oh, nice. oh
0: okay.
2: Um And do, do you know who Edgar Wallace is? Yeah, I'm
1: afraid, I'm afraid I don't. Afraid of-
2: You're pondering. Yeah. Uh, so Edgar Wallace is uh, he. He uh, he served the British Army in South Africa and then uh, got his way into the press corps because it was the least uh, gnarly thing to do, and uh, he started writing African stories like *Sanders of the River*, which are uh, uh, they're out of print these days for a very good reason.
1: Are they super? <laughs> are they super racist?
2: Yeah, uh, I've not read them, but that's the, that's what I'm I'm told. Wild, uh,
1: wild guess. Uh,
2: 1908 he started writing detective stories and he was very pro- prolific he was always trying to write his way out of debt which he never quite managed because he was a he was a heavy drinker and a heavy gambler which is not a good combination um but they reckon in 1928 that a quarter of all british novels published were by him wow, wow. <laughs> uh, he write these things that he'd like dictate them onto a wax cylinder and then some secretaries would, would write it out, but he just like dictate the story. Um,
1: so he was Stephen King before Stephen King.
2: Well, if Stephen King didn't care,
1: <laughs> which is arguable then, sometimes.
2: <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not down King. Um, anyway. Uh, he wrote the first draft screenplay of a film, which was called the beast, uh, which then became King Kong. Oh wow! Oh wow! Uh, so three drafts later, um, yeah, it was King Kong, uh, but he he died before it came out. He died in uh, 1932.
1: Ah, oh. was he credi- but, uh,
2: was he credited? Um, he often gets credit for inventing King Kong. Like I've seen that repeated, like uh, on that documentary about Jello, uh, they say, oh, he created King Kong. That's not true. Uh, they shot. Uh, test footage for his film called creation and they wanted to make a movie about a gorilla and uh, other stages like uh, gorilla versus Komodo dragons and things like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so they had this footage of uh, animated staracosaurs and uh, they brought him in and said, well, can you, you know, write a first draft screenplay using what we've shot? And, you know, try and make a story out of that. So he had this thing about uh, a place called Vapor Island, uh, where these explorers go, and they they're looking for a sea serpent, which turns out to be a brontosaurus, and then their boat gets turned over when they're in the swamp, and they run into a you know giant gorilla, etc.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that, that that was his first draft,
1: and I, then uh, I like that story.
2: Yeah. So, so later they uh, you know people added stuff onto it like. Uh, uh, the stuff about beauty killing the beasts that that came later,
1: right?
2: And uh, and then Ruth Rose came in at the end, and she really streamlined it. And uh, uh, I think she was one when they were trying to work out how Kong will be transported from the island back to New York. So they had this whole operation they did. Um, she just said, "Oh, we'll just cut from King Kong being knocked down on the beach and then." right to new york yeah you know, stage show and it's beautiful uh jump cut um but you know she she, she did think stuff like that to really uh, get it streamlined
1: nice
2: so anyway that's that's a good one I see he, was, he was hugely popular in germany still is i think it's that's the one country where his books are still you know in print um so they started making those in the f- late 50s and uh yeah and then and that became an influence in uh they, they, they were popular in Italy, and uh, as well as Hitchcock. And so in 1963, uh, Mario Barber directed The Girl Who Knew Too Much, uh, which is the, the considered the first uh, Italian giallo movie, as we know it. And uh, uh, that year, uh, Sergio Martino was Barber's assistant on a film called uh, the Whip in the Body. Have you seen that one?
0: No.
2: That's more of a gothic horror it's not not a jello uh and then uh he was a uh, and later in the 60s he was the assistant to umberto lenzi on a giallo called uh, so sweet so perverse <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then 64 you have blood and black lace which is the you know the vivid full color mario bava jello yeah. got glove killer and a mask uh it really focuses in on you know, strange nasty murders and then 1970 you got uh, dario argento does bird with the crystal plumage and that made it huge box office uh and he brought in you know he had his own hitchcock touches and he, he was also influenced by um uh michelangelo antonioni uh especially the use of architecture and more abstract designs of imagery uh, and then uh, 1971, you had uh, Mario Bava did uh, *Twitch of the Death Nerve*, which is that this is very much a proto-slasher movie, you know, the one that you can see influence on, uh, you know, the *Friday the 13th series, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, you know, that's the real hardcore slasher type jello. Anyway, that's a, that's a rundown of them. You, you had uh, uh, they were they were they did really well, especially uh the first half of the 70s uh and there were like um there were jello being made in Britain and America like um clue and frenzy and uh, uh don't look now is a bit of a jello mm-hmm. uh, just to kill is pretty much Brian Department's jello
1: yeah yeah
2: so yeah that that quite a, quite an impact
1: wow so this is um this is interesting that that Pretty early on, there was a uh, almost like a a template, like a style guide for. Here are some things you need to have in this movie to make it fit the mood. Yeah. And what's funny about that um, about that uh, blog spot that I found, um, geologfiles dot is that their checklist didn't include the black leather gloves. Oh. Which
0: that, is, what? Which as I was saying. During last night's movie, Italy could solve a lot of these crimes if they just stop selling <laughs> black gloves, or, or just, or just, or at least keep a list of who's yeah, like, buying them.
1: Yeah, it's like like uh, contact
0: little,
2: little chip in the tag or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, contact tracing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would totally work. Uh, well, I question this blog spot blog because the uh, black gloves are, you know, definitely high up there. yeah
1: i think that's kind of essential really
0: um yeah i I, think there's another
2: site where you can generate your own yellow titles you just put in the names of an animal or a bird and a brand yeah color yeah um
1: there's a how i will say there's a pretty concise um synopsis here if you want me to go ahead and read it uh i will say they did a nice job there Um, I'll go ahead and read that and then we'll talk about, you know, what worked in this thing and, uh, what was so fun about it. Uh, so Julie Ward is an outwardly, um, uh, the respectable wife of the American ambassador to Austria, Neil Ward, but in secret she hides S&M fantasies and a kinky blood fetish. After returning to Austria, Julie begins an affair with the rakish George Coro, Cousin of her friend, Carol. At the same time, a razor-wielding maniac is terrorizing the city, murdering beautiful young women, and Julie thinks her stalker ex-boyfriend, Jean, might be responsible. Someone has been leaving bouquets of roses for Julie with vaguely menacing notes. Julie is being blackmailed over her affair, and before long, Julie herself is being chased by the killer. Is Jean responsible? or maybe it's someone else in her life. So that's, um, there is kind of the who done it, which turns out to be super cool at the end. Uh mm-hmm. that almost felt like spaghetti Western to me, the way, <laughs> the way it went down when the two bad guys were out in the oh, yeah. edge of the desert, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That felt like something out of an Eastwood movie almost. Yeah. But, um, I think that was a pretty concise rundown of the plot, uh, which of course doesn't tell you how cool the lighting and the style was of filming the razor killings and how over the over the top the blood looked. You know, it, it, it made the it made the Hammer films uh, Kensington Gore uh, look subtle in comparison, <laughs> in a, at least a couple of these scenes. Uh, but yeah, this was. Um, this this was a feast. If you want um, killings and nudity and suspense and car chases and all that stuff, here it is in one movie. If some, yeah. if somebody were to say, I want to watch a, a giallo, what, what do you recommend? This would be a good jumping off point, right?
2: Yeah, this is my favorite outside of Barbra and Argento, definitely.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah, this this is a good one, and uh, we yeah,
0: this is a really good one. I like this one.
1: Uh, there's a shower scene. Did you guys feel like that was uh, definitely a, a tip of the hat to uh, to uh, Hitchcock, <laughs> Hitchcock and Psycho? Yeah, yeah, it, kind of obviously, right?
2: <laughs> it it felt a bit perfunctory, actually.
1: Yeah. Just shower
2: girl knife dead.
1: Yeah. yeah, and we we need her to be naked, and we need there to be yeah. uh, a place for the blood to splatter. Uh, She's
0: played, played by someone named Poochie. Poochie. Yes, I saw that. And the credits, Poochie.
2: And, and you must have noticed that George was played by George.
0: Uh, <laughs> too- I didn't, but that's good.
1: Yeah, George yeah. George Coro was played by George Hilton. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that... that that's a possibility, uh, that, that he just couldn't learn another name. Well,
2: he's been in tons of movies. He's in mostly Westerns by this point, but yeah, he he was in a couple of, uh, these, he was in, uh, uh, one after this is, uh, the case of the scorpions tail.
1: Yeah. He he plays plays a character named George.
2: (laughs) No, he's he's not George in that one.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, uh, Carol, who was, uh, a really interesting-looking woman. Um, her hair was a was a pretty quaffed. Uh, very attractive woman. Uh, uh, Conchita Arioldi uh, was that actor. Um, I was surprised that the guy with the French name was played by a guy with a Russian name. Uh, hmm. Ivan Rasimov. Yeah, Ivan Rasimov. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, he was in *Planet of the Vampires*, I believe.
1: Oh, that's on my watch list. Uh,
0: that's on my watch list, too. Yeah, that's good.
1: <laughs> yeah, Planet of the I Vampires. Have... I watched the trailer and I said, oh, man, this is going to be a Saturday night. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, so th- this movie apparently was known as Blade of the Ripper. In the
2: U.S., yes.
1: Like, we, we couldn't handle a title like The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward in 1971? okay that's not i mean i wasn't old enough to know any different but okay i'll, I'll, I'll trust i'll trust it
2: also known as next next and uh, the next evicted
1: oh wow well, did that have something to do with like uh like uh drive-in showings where they were just like oh just retitle it and fool them into coming in again
2: oh yeah and I, I, in the 70s he just re-released a movie with a different title and yeah, trick people.
1: <laughs> That's just mean, isn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it well, gets confusing with uh, with like film noir. There, like, just about all of them have two titles, uh, if not more, and then you you start something you're like oh i've seen this but it was under a different title <laughs> which yeah. sometimes they'll even list you know on the credits will be whatever the original title was but that's not what they named it <laughs> when you know whoever put it
1: up mm-hmm. um i read on this uh, website that uh, tarantino used some of the music from this movie in uh, kill bill volume two
2: yes uh, ah. by nora Olandi. Uh, I think he uses the D.S.E.R.A. Uh, music that comes in whenever she's having her dream. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That, that spooky vocal
0: music.
1: Yeah, that I'm due for a rewatch on the Kill Bill movies myself. I don't know if you guys have seen them recently, but... Uh, I've not seen them. A months ago. Oh, at all?
0: Oh, you've still not seen them. Yeah, that's
2: right. I'm still holding out for the uh, uncut ones.
0: Oh, do you think that's going to, to happen? used to watch a cut one. Do you think
1: that's going to happen or no?
2: Well, I hope so. I mean, why, I don't know why they haven't done it. It's probably mixed up with the Miramax.
0: Yeah. There's a Japanese one that's uncut. Hey, there's our pedophile. Yeah, it's right there. There's our pedophile. The Japanese cut is the uncut thing.
2: one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it's that cut's known as the whole bloody affair.
0: Something
2: like um, that. But yeah, it still hasn't come out in America. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a mess with Harvey Weinstein, I'm sure, who was mentioned in uh, the Jeffrey Epstein thing, by the way. <laughs> I'm not even kidding.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think you were. <laughs>
1: um, let's see. Uh, what were some other interesting things? Um, oh, um, I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead. Do you know much about Sergio Martino's uh, Westerns?
2: Uh, I've not seen many of them now uh, see I've seen Arizona cult returns okay um, uh, let's see I've seen a couple of his crime movies I've seen uh, slave of the cannibal god and screamers aka island of the fishmen which has a great poster <laughs> yeah uh, and I've seen the great alligator River and uh, after the Fall of New York and uh, the Violent Professionals, oh. uh, I think his first movie was Mondo Sex, <laughs> <laughs> and he also did uh, additional scenes for a movie called uh, uh, Madame Bovary, which uh, and that's how he met Edwige Feuillée because she was in that. Oh, okay, okay. He, he shot some additional scenes to to uh, give it a good proper length. Oh. Now, had a running through a forest wearing a nightie for some reason. <laughs> but she must have forgiven him because she did like several movies with him.
1: <laughs> um, so for this one to, uh, to really get where it's going, uh, we did need a car wreck. Did either one of you think of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when it showed that, a little sports car going off the cliff and crashing into the.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, a... I, I thought there's, there's another Italian movie from the 50s uh, called. What's it called? Um, there's it, another one at the end of the movie. There's two guys in a car and they're like celebrating and they go off the edge of the cliff. But Il it, Sor um, Okay. That's a really good
1: film i I kind of wonder if people just reverse engineered their um casting of vehicles by saying, "All right, what do we have already on file that's a car <laughs> crash going off a cliff uh, oh, okay uh so all right, we got this one uh, we need like a a sixty five sob and uh, we're <laughs> <laughs> and we're just gonna like get one of those and and then when we need to do the car crash, we just need them to you know, jerk the wheel to the right and then cut to the car crash going off the cliff.
0: Well, in older movies, I <laughs> didn't even care if the cars matched.
1: You're right. The cars didn't match half the time. There'd be like oh, a... it'd
0: be a Buick going over and then it'd turn into a four-door Ford yeah. when it hit the ground.
1: Yeah, you'd have a, a 1950s car in the chase and all of a sudden like a 1938 Hudson goes off a yeah, bridge yeah. or something. <laughs>
2: Like, I think it's done for, for real in
1: this movie it looked like it yeah, was yeah this same was car. I
0: think the actual car
1: yeah
0: uh, also it was Italian so they probably have the drivers actually roll the car down there you'll be fine oh yeah it's crazy <laughs> just get out when the water gets in the car you'll be fine
2: <laughs> yeah when, when he takes it for uh, when George takes uh, Julie for a bike ride and they're like whipping around with those cars in the country Oh, sh- man oh it's hair raising
0: yeah yeah that was crazy. <laughs> Um, Or when Harold pulls out into traffic and it's like, right into traffic, almost hits somebody. Hits
2: the gas and she's
0: across the roundabout. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Watching
1: that stuff, I really assumed it was all guerrilla filmmaking. Like, there was no, there was no, like, uh, choreography to the traffic. (laughs) They're just like, wait till you see a break in traffic It just, you
0: know, punch
1: punch it. You'll be you'll be fine. Yeah. There was a lot of You'll Be Fine probably back in the late late 60s through early 70s. Um, Yeah, that's weird. Like, all the mirrored aviator sunglasses and all that stuff from the 70s. Like, that hung around for a good, I don't know, eight years, ten years. Um, Because these guys look like Chuck Norris looked in the late 70s in those early Chuck Norris movies. (laughs) So... Yeah, I, I kind of feel like you have uh, an aesthetic that's sort of hung around for a while. Yeah, and uh, everything uh, in the really stylish apartment reminded me of a Clockwork Orange, you know, like the
0: yeah that apartment was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I really like the look of this movie. Yeah, very I cutting edge. I was wondering edge. how much uh, painters tape they had to put up get those lines straight or if they yeah. the wallpaper
1: I assumed it and, was
0: and wallpaper they, they wrap around the lampshade as well yeah, yeah. that was
1: crazy like you don't see that anymore yeah
0: well, there was there was a crazy part that I couldn't figure out was the, after the motorcycle ride with George uh, she goes home and the phone rings and he's on the phone and she's talking to him and then he walks in the front door it's like wow how did he do that there's a there's a the
1: phone where in the hallway? would there be
0: a phone the hallway <laughs> i guess
1: yeah yeah it's weird um
0: i mean it doesn't matter but it was just something that stood out it's like how he do, do that
1: have you guys seen yeah. the carcass of old phone uh phone booths lately at all like have you seen like the completely bombed out, burned out carcasses of what used to be phone booths, pay phones?
0: Not in a while.
1: Oh, uh, there's a couple on Colfax that just obviously the phones got torn out and the, the little hutch that it goes in is just beat to hell. And yeah. what a crazy thing like that really went away a long time ago. But there was a time when when you needed to call somebody, you just found a pay phone and called them. Yeah. And now it's like. There just aren't any. Like, who who needs one? That's that's not happening anymore. Yeah. But the the uh, the other cool thing of uh, before they went away, somebody in Chicago was putting stickers on payphones that said, "This phone is tapped," and I thought that was so funny. Like, if you <laughs> if you wanted to make a drug dealer paranoid,
0: this phone is tapped. <laughs>
1: So, um, stylish apartments, a lot of, uh, high fashion of the day. Um, did any of the characters have a job other than the ambassador?
0: I think, yeah. uh, Sean was a photographer.
1: Oh, okay. As far as jobs go, that's kind of job light, but, uh,
0: yeah. kind of like a job.
2: Yeah. He kept various exotic birds and bats
0: yeah
2: he was into photography
0: yeah yeah the photography could be a a hobby i suppose yeah i think he's
1: just a guy with enough money and a bunch of pretentious affectations so he can meet women
2: and then uh exactly george and carol were just inheriting money they weren't doing anything
1: no no so what better way to be able to go just zipping around rome than to not have to have a dad. Uh, yeah,
0: they were uh, Vienna. Vienna.
1: Was <laughs> that where they were supposed
0: to be? <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be, but yeah, those outside shots didn't look like Vienna. I mean, I, they? I, I, oh, they
2: are in Vienna. They, they go to uh, uh, the the park that uh, Carol goes to. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I think it's, what's it called? Uh, the Schönbrunn Palace. In, oh,
0: okay. I had, I thought when the uh, in the credits it said it was all filmed in Rome, but
2: hmm. uh, according to Sergio Martino, they only did one set. Uh, they used oh, okay. a Western set for uh, George's apartment.
0: Hmm, okay.
2: And he goes in there and it's all like darkened wood. Yeah. To repurpose a set from one of his westerns. Oh. But The rest of the location.
1: Oh, okay. oh. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, um, yes
2: uh, Vienna and uh, then they go to Spain they go to cigarette uh, yeah. which which has a fantasy film festival or it did um, yeah 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 that desert sure
0: looked like Spain. yeah
1: Man. for sure now that the, so that brings us around to all right so we've we've had a lot of this um, a lot of this crazy um, you know mysterious uh, murders and you uh, uh, bouquets of roses with notes on them and chase scenes and all this stuff. We come to this point where two of the characters go out to the desert and uh, they're talking about their little um, conspiracy. And as the viewer, we say, all right, so these two guys were definitely, you know, two guys doing all of this stuff. This makes more sense. How could one guy pull all of this off? And then one shoots the other one. Right in the chest and he dies. Um, we get uh, a fake ghost hitchhiker to wrap it all up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was kind of pleased with that.
0: Yeah, it was really good.
1: We got all, we get all the exposition we need, but then it's like, how are these jerks going to get caught? Well, we get a fake ghost hitchhiker because they were sure she was dead from the uh the uh uh the gas, the gas the gas stove in the apartment which i thought yeah. the, the the latch on the door with the ice cube was pretty clever
0: yeah yeah um how uh, how many takes did it take to get that right
1: i imagine there was someone just off camera with a blow dryer <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh
1: okay <laughs> I mean there's you don't have to worry about the sound because they they loop everything on these Italian movies yeah um it reminded me of a, a thing I used to hear about when I was a teenager is if you ever wanted to just like blow something up with an m80 uh, take a few puffs off a cigarette and tape the cigarette to the wick and leave it where you want it to explode yeah get a nice slow burning uh, cigarette to the fuse and then boom. So that was, uh, uh, kind of reminiscent of that thing where you get this like time, time release, uh, thing that makes, you know, whatever the situation was, uh, look like a suicide. Yeah. And, uh, however, she was rescued and, uh, got to play a ghost hitchhiker later. Yeah. That was pretty satisfying. Yes. We got a last minute rescue, we got a fake ghost hitchhiker, we got a a, a a spaghetti western standoff with a, you know, bullet to the chest. Man, this movie has it all.
2: Yeah. And I yeah, I like it. It's got like uh, various uh, layers to it. And, you know, and you get something new out of it each time you watch it. This um,
1: this deserves rewatches for sure.
2: Oh, yeah, uh I think in a couple of days, Severin is putting out a new 4K restoration of it. Oh,
0: on wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looked really good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and if they want um, if they want to make it even better, why not?
2: This, this movie begins with a quote from Sigmund Freud. Yeah.
1: Remember that? Yeah. yeah. In fact, I took a picture of it. Uh, do you have it written down? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead.
2: So this is from when, uh, this is just after the First World War. And, uh, Sigmund Freud wrote about how, um, uh, basically his, 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 point was that, uh, this isn't how far we've fallen. Uh, this is, this goes to show, uh, that's, we haven't climbed very far in the first place. <laughs> so, um, so it, yeah, the quote is, uh, the very emphasis of the commandments, thou shalt not kill, makes it certain that we are descended from an endlessly long chain of generations of murderers whose love of murder was in their blood, as it is perhaps also in ours. Ah,
1: that's that's timeless. <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: so, 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 as I say, it's like uh, you have this existing crime and then a bunch of evil people latch onto it to... to do their own thing
1: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah perpetrating uh, what what they will do
2: right. i know you talk about freudian stuff what is the strange advice of mrs ward exactly and she's she seems to be into blood sports a bit
1: yeah yeah
2: um but uh she i noticed um she's the only one who actually enjoys sex all the others it's just a game or it's just a way of getting what they want yeah I
1: mean,
2: um, she's so the only one who seems to like it you know there's that there's that party scene where you have the women wearing paper dresses yeah, yeah. and it yeah it's just a laugh to everybody to just tear the dresses up yeah um, yeah
0: there's
1: a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of shaming in movies and it's unfortunate that uh, the characters aren't allowed to just enjoy what it is they enjoy and yeah. there always has to be somebody looking down on the characters for it or judging, yeah, judging, trying,
2: them. trying to blackmail them or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's a Catholic. country, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And there's a long history of guilt and shame in, in Catholic uh, religion for sure. So, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Write it into your script. <laughs> um, so th- this probably falls in the category of needless to say, uh, we recommend it. Um, how how highly do you recommend it, though? I mean, is this uh, is this sh- just sort of a um, Doug? Go see this. Don't even question it. Just watch this
0: thing. If you're into
1: Well, even if you're not, if you're not even familiar with it, like I said before, maybe it's a good jumping off point. Um, Yeah. Would it be entertaining to somebody who says, "Ah, I've seen a couple of those kind of movies, I don't care for them. Uh, Is this a good one? Is it a better one? Should I see it? I would say that would be a a yes. You know, like not er not everything is going to feel this exciting and this... uh, tantalizing and you know all the yeah. plot twists and conspiracies that wrap up at the end. Right. But uh but a yes vote from both of you?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well
2: if you like if you like that one, uh then uh, I also recommend the case of the scorpion's tail. Okay. Um that one it's uh you've got George Hilton again. Um but it's uh there's George Hilton and uh, Anita Strindberg. Um, oh, nice. And uh, that one, the first half hour of it, uh, you don't see those two people. They, they only come in after, after a while. Um, but uh, but stay with it because uh, it, it really picks up. And yeah, it's a good one.
0: All cool. right, cool. And that's
2: probably got the most shocking murder in his movies that I, I remember seeing. Uh, you know, Torso has the reputation as being the slasher movie, but uh, this one is a really nasty, uh, (laughs) really nasty bit towards the end. I was quite surprised by.
1: And and that's also a 1971 movie. I just, I just punched that one in and I see that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is,
2: that that one takes place in London and uh, Athens.
1: Oh, cool. So we got some more location filming, Mm -hmm. man. That's so good. Um, So we're into, um, we're into June and, uh, this is the month that, uh, has Father's Day in it. Um, did you guys want to do, we had talked about kind of briefly, do we want to do the stepfather or I have never seen Father's Day. I don't know if it's any good. Nor have I. Uh, I've not
0: either. If it's available, let's watch it.
1: If it's not, do you want to stop with, start with the stepfather? Yeah. Is that on my shadow or something? Uh I'll have to look. Well, that's probably a good place to wrap it up then. And uh as always, listeners, we thank you for listening and uh we'll be around next week to give you more uh more amusing commentary about uh, your favorite uh, horror movies or something you haven't seen yet. So, thank you for listening. Keep off the morning. Next
0: maniac. <laughs>